As we look at God's Word today, if you turn to Galatians again today, I'm going to do a couple of three more messages out of Galatians to finish up a portion of it. I plan to preach through Galatians all the way through uh, the time of my retirement, but I'm not going to do that. I've decided that I'm going to preach my favorite messages after that and uh, bore you with those, okay? But uh, I'm looking forward to that and, uh, and spending that time with you. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 3. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Oh, foolish Galatians, that ought to get their attention, shouldn't it? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are faith or of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. These verses are very naturally in two divisions, the first division being five questions that are answered by the Apostle Paul as he talked or wrote to the church at Galatia, or the church in Galatia, concerning uh, their own experience in Christ. And then the last four verses are biblical illustration of how Abraham came to know the Lord. And so we have those first, those verses, those questions in the first five verses and the teaching in verses six through nine. Now, I'm not going to have time to get through all six through nine, but we're going to look at the first thing that is important as we look at this today. There are five questions in these five verses, verses 1 through 5. I want us to look at these five questions one at a time very quickly and see what Paul is posing as questions to the Galatians. He knew they needed to get to the bottom of who they were. They needed to understand who they were, how they got there, and what they're supposed to depend on in growing as Christians. It, there are five basic spiritual principles in Christian living that he asks about. What happened to you when you came to became a Christian? He says, you heard the gospel. Question one, what happened to you when you became a Christian? You can get saved without, without being in a church. 
You can get saved without singing Christian hymns or songs. You can get saved without a preacher, but you can't get saved without the gospel. You can't get saved without hearing the truth. He says, you heard the gospel. You heard it. You can get saved without being, can't, you can get saved without being on a padded pew, of course. And you can get saved by being out in the woods. You can be anywhere as long it is to the message of the gospel that you, that you move and that you believe and you trust Jesus and you respond to that message. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we send our missionaries so that folks can hear the gospel. Never is anybody going to be saved in admiration of our buildings. It is a beautiful facility to worship in, but it won't lead anybody to Christ. Neither it will be with all of our other ministries and activities. It is through responding to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that people come to faith in him and are gloriously saved. Only when they hear the gospel do they have the possible hope of being saved. The second thing that he asks about, he says, upon hearing the gospel, you received Jesus Christ into your life. You became a Christian. It was when you believed on him, that's how you became a Christian. And he just makes this as a statement there. And then the third thing that happens is you begin growing in Christ. You begin go growing in the Christian life. You know more and more about Jesus. You know more and more about his words. You know more and more about faith as you grow and mature in the Christian life. And it's through this time, it's a process. It is moving toward the goal of spiritual maturity in a person's life who has been saved. And all during that process, God is keeping you saved. It is he who saved you. It is he who keeps you saved. The fourth thing that happens is you will suffer for Christ. You will suffer for Christ. And then the fifth thing that happens is God's miracles operate in your life. Those are five things that are going to go on in your life if you're a Christian. You heard the gospel. You received Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. You've since been growing in that experience and growing in him and growing in your faith, moving towards spiritual maturity. Because of that, you have suffered great things. Others don't understand. Sometimes it's family members. Sometimes it's the closest friends. Sometimes it's folks in the workplace or the school place. They just don't understand, and you suffer as you have been growing, and you've experienced the miracles of God in your life. 
They're not all big, huge miracles like the parting of the water of the Red Sea. They're not all big miracles like somebody being raised from the dead, somebody being on their deathbed perhaps and gloriously healed and rise up and get up and walk out of the hospital when it wasn't expected that they were going to live. But they're little miracles perhaps. I don't know that any of them are miracle. But sometimes they're unnoticeable. But if you're a child of God, you are a child of God because you heard the gospel, you responded to it, you believed, and you started on a growing experience, and you've been growing all this time, and you ought to be maturing in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going, you have suffered because of that. You have suffered in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you don't get promoted at the job place because of your stand and your walk with Christ. Sometimes you may not be hired because of your stand and your walk with Christ. Sometimes it comes in so many different ways, but you're going to go through those times, and then you're going to experience miracles in your life. That happens in the life of every born-again believer is what Paul is teaching us here. Now, when we take those five fundamental things that happen to us, we hear the gospel, we respond to the gospel, we begin to grow, we go through hardships, and we, are, uh, uh, we experience miracles. And when we take those five things... Paul raises a question about every one of them. What Paul was preaching that we're saved on the basis of the grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith. You've heard that all of your life. But that's a very important doctrine of Scripture concerning your salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. Matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say, it's not of works. So you're not saved by your good works. You're not saved by your good deeds. You're not saved by behaving. And you wouldn't behave very long anyway. Uh, well, I'm talking about myself, but uh, you just don't behave very long anyway. So that's not how you get saved. It's not by behaving. You're saved by trusting Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith. And we stay saved by grace. Once you're saved, you don't have to hold on to God's unchanging hand. God holds on to you. He is the one who does the saving. He's the one that keeps us saved. We're saved by grace, and we stay saved by grace. Not, not every Christian church teaches that. Some believe you can be saved and lost again, saved and lost again, saved and lost again. That's not what the Scripture teaches, and that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about being saved by the grace of God. It's not of works, lest any person should boast. It is by his grace, and he keeps us saved. Question number one is found in verse one. Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians. That's got to sting. 
you know, here's the man that you heard preach the word. Here's the man who started your church through his, his uh, endeavors and missionary works. And he calls them foolish Galatians. And then he uses an unusual word in the scripture, who has messed you up? He says, who has be bewitched you? Who has put this spell on you? Paul is acknowledging that he is very concerned. He is perplexed as to how these Christians could possibly be so easily led away from the teachings of the Scripture and thinking they earned their salvation. Now, this is not his first time to mention this. Back in chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the gospel of grace. And now he questions them about that. He says, who has bewitched you? Paul is using a metaphor here. He, he is saying, I am shocked that you were saved by grace and are saved by grace and, and, and by grace are moving over to a legalistic religion that removes the dimensions of faith into some kind of legalism. Paul emphasizes this, and it's simply this, if you had kept your eyes upon Jesus, Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Why did you take your eyes off of the truth? Why did you take your eyes off of, the, off of Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? How in the world could this have, have happened to you? I preached the gospel to you. I preached to you, Jesus that he was crucified, buried, and rose again, and you received that, you were gloriously saved. How in the world could anybody take you away from what you were growing in and understanding who you are in Christ Jesus? You foolish Galatians. You've taken your eyes off of Jesus, he says. Who has led you that way and then verse 2 he says the second question this only would I learn of you other words this is the most important thing if you don't answer any of the other questions if I don't if I don't get some kind of acknowledgement that you understand what I'm saying and that uh, that uh, you give an answer to, I one thing I really want to know when you receive the Spirit of God was it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Everybody who's ever been saved knows how they were saved. You see, when somebody has genuinely been born again by the Spirit of God, they know how they came to be in the reality of the family of God and him in their life. Well, they knew exactly how they were saved. Paul is not writing to lost people. He's writing to folks he know 
knows that have come to faith in Christ. He knows that they have professed faith in him. He knows they begin to grow. He knows God multiplied their numbers. He knows that it was good there with them. And now he wants to know, how can this be? Well, they knew exactly how they were saved. They knew that. Paul is writing to Christians who have become confused. But when he confronts them with it, they full well know how they were saved. They know what Paul preached to them when they came to faith in Christ. And I want to say to you in this room, you know how you were saved. You know somebody presented the gospel to you. It may have been from the pulpit. It might have been a revival service. It might have been some youth camp that you heard the gospel. It might have been someone in the privacy of your home. It might have been someone at the workplace during break just shared their heart with you in their life. But you know how you were saved. You heard the gospel. You believed the gospel. You trusted Jesus and you were born into the family of God. And then he says, I want to ask you a third question. It's in verse 3. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? simply stated this is his question how are you being made perfect how are you growing in your faith how are you maturing as a child of God how are you growing up how are you becoming an adult in the Christian family how are you maturing I've been made mature by legalism, by doing the do's and making sure you don't do the don'ts. Let me ask you something. Used to, to, used to be, and a long, long time ago, some of you young folks won't remember this, but boys and girls learned in the first grade their ABCs. Now, most children know their ABCs before they're three years old. But it used to be, it started out, you learned them in the first grade. By the time they were three years old, they knew them, I said, in the first grade. But now, they, by the time they're three years old, they know their ABCs. Not so important. But I'm going to ask you, what if they're 18 years old and all they know is A, B, C, D, E, F, G? There are certain things that are expected in one's childhood. But there are certain things that are not expected in the days of maturing. A child grows from A, B, C, D. They grow and grow in their maturity and, and they learn, that, you know, they begin 
to be able to put together those ABCs and spell C-A-T, cat, D-O-G, dog. And they began to learn how to put those together and learn how to spell, learn how to read, and they learned how to write. You see, there are certain things that are expected in the process of maturing. And there are certain things that are expected in the process of, of maturing in the Christian life. You see, what I just explained to you is what immaturity is. Not ever getting above ABCs or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Getting above that and learning other things and putting sentences together and, and then being able to write and write papers for college. It's all a part of the maturing process. Paul says, these Christians in Galatia, he asked, how are you being made perfect? How are you growing? Is it because you're doing the do's and donning the don'ts? <laughs> you're doing what you're supposed to and not doing what you're not supposed to do? No, it's because the Holy Spirit of God is in your life. He's teaching you. He's growing you. He's maturing you. He's molding you for the Christian life to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in all that you do. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit of God wrote the Bible. Who lives in you? The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. You say, I don't understand the Bible. Well, then ask the one who lives in you, who wrote the Bible, to enlighten you that you can grow and understand the Word of God that He's given to you. It's because the Holy Spirit of God is in your life and he is molding you the tragedy is not that folks don't understand the bible you start to read it and the one who wrote it who lives in you will teach you the bible Folks that don't know the word and say they don't understand the word, they're not in the word. For if you're in the word, God's Holy Spirit, the one who wrote it, will teach you, will bring these things out in your life, and you'll grow. It's so interesting to me sometimes. Some of our members, and, and some of you have done it in recent days, have come up to me and said, you know what God taught me this week? You know what I learned this week? I, I've been studying the Scripture all my life. I, I've been in church since I was just a little thing. I was in Sunday school, and I was at, back when it was primaries, and I, I came up through the children and youth and young adults. I, but you know what God just told me this week? And they may be 75 years old, but the Holy Spirit of God taught them something new. What Paul is saying, your growing process, your maturing in Christ has everything to do with 
with the Holy Spirit leading you and teaching you and molding you to be what God wants you to be and without him working in your life, you're foolish Galatians. Who has led you astray? And then he asked a fourth question. Have you suffered very many things in vain for no reason, for no purpose, for no meaning? You mean the things that you've walked through, the troubles at, in Galatia, the troubles in your life, the troubles in your family, you're going through those things and they have not taught you a thing? You say, well, all Christians don't suffer. Oh, yes, they do. Matter of fact, the Scripture is very clear about that. Christians suffer. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, Paul says, all. How many is that? All. That's all of us, everybody. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul. It is writing the second letter to Timothy. That's what he said. All that live godly in Christ, every person who is following Christ will suffer. And he asked them, are you suffering? Tell me about your sufferings in the Christian life. Tell me what's going on with you. So if you're a professing Christian and you're not experiencing any suffering, either you're not in Christ Jesus or you're not living godly in Christ Jesus. But I promise you this, if you're a born-again believer, I didn't ask you if you're a member of the church. That's not part of my statement. You can be a member of every church in the county and still not have a relationship with Jesus. But if you've been born again, if you believed the gospel when you heard it and asked Jesus to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior and you were saved, you have been given the Holy Spirit and he's teaching you if you're not growing, if you're not suffering, what's wrong? What's wrong? There are many Christians who suffer some suffer physically. Dr. Cox and Dr. Kent deal with that every day. Christians who are suffering physically. Some suffer emotionally. Some of you young people are suffering emotionally, even this week last week in school I want to tell you something hear me when you became a Christian when you gave your heart to Jesus and you asked him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior and you begin to follow him and you begin to grow and mature and when you saw other kids doing things that you know what was not of God for you and you would not participate in those things let me tell you you've suffered 
You've suffered ridicule. You've suffered accusations. You've suffered being called a goody-goody two-shoes. You've you've suffered all kinds of ways. You know what I'm talking about, adults. You suffered the workplace because you won't join in certain activities. At least I hope you won't. You won't listen to the ways of the world. You want to live like God wants you to live. You want to bring glory to his name by the way that you live, the relationships that you have, how you're involved with other folks. You want him to be glorified in your life. Because of that, you suffer. There are folks who suffer financially because they won't go the ways of the world. They suffer financially as others will fudge on their income tax. They won't do it, so they pay more taxes. They're so in tune with the Holy Spirit of God in living righteously and holy before Him, and they're growing in such a way they just want to do everything that pleases Jesus. Let me give you an illustration. I had an unusual daddy. He was five foot foot four, but he was dynamite. But he walked with the Lord. My dad was so get would get so angry with folks talking about I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to work out. I, 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 I'm, just, I, I'm just trying to work hard enough to, to be good enough to make it to heaven. And my dad was one that he was good because he was walking with Jesus. He was good because he had grown in his faith. He read his word. He taught a men's Sunday school class. He was in it all the time. And when I tell you he taught a men's Sunday school class, he started on Sunday afternoon reading and studying and getting the the, uh, commentaries out and, and getting ready and turning to other passages, trying to understand how it was applicable to the total Word of God. And he would go to that Sunday school class on Sunday morning so filled with the truth of God's Word that they would marvel at what would come out of that man who had a seventh grade education. He was so dedicated that he would not step out of the will of God, even though he did. He was a sinner, but he wanted so much not to. I remember occasions, and my kids have laughed about this. We've laughed about it. I remember an occasion where he wanted a McDonald's hamburger, and he drove all the way to the other side of town to get a McDonald's hamburger and got back home and saw that the girl had given him a nickel too much change from his order he didn't even eat his blooming hamburger he got back in his car drove back across town and went in and said darling you gave me a nickel too much change i want to give it back to you and when he told that to some of the folks around just sharing how it happened they thought he was crazy well a little bit you know they thought he was crazy. jack They wouldn't have ever missed that nickel. He says, oh, but I would know. I would know. And the Holy Spirit of God would know. And not that he punishes us for those things, but that he, we quench the Spirit working in our lives and our growing process is hindered 
when we fail to do the right thing as God would have us to do. I want to tell you what the Apostle Paul is saying is when you become a Christian, you become a different person. Then he asks one last question. Do you have miracles operating in your life? I mean, has God come down and energized your life? Has he given you strength to go on when you didn't have the strength to go on? Has he given you the wither, wherewithal to keep living even though you didn't have the, 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 what you needed in yourself to live, but he just encouraged you and he's given you joy and he's taking you where you don't fall apart and he just keeps energizing you and blessing you? How do the miracles of God operate? By law? No. By faith? Yes. By faith. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask, believing it shall be done. All those questions Paul asked here are very provoking who has cast a spell on you, he said. How are you saved? How are you maturing? How are you suffering? How are the miracles in your life? Those are the questions. And then he reminded them, and I close, of the faith of Abraham. Of the faith of Abraham it says and Abraham believed God and what is accounted unto him as faith God promised him a seed we always want to talk about the seeds of Abraham all of this this children of Israel that's not what God was talking about he was talking about a seed that was to come and Abraham believed him, and by faith, Hebrews says, he's in the book of remembrances. By faith, he's with God. Walk with him. Trust him. He will provide your growth. He will provide your strength through times of trials, which you'll have. But he'll bless you with miracles in your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your will. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Lord, have your way. This morning there may be someone that you'd have to cast their faith upon you and make an open profession of their faith in what Jesus has done for them. There may be others that would come to be a part of this church family, maybe to move their letter or come by statement. However, Lord, you've moved in the service. We want to give you time to do what you want to do, and we'll see miracles as you give them. In Jesus' name, amen.